It's Amber Bradley, your host for the unscripted side of LP. It's Talk LP Podcast time. Welcome to Talk LP Podcast time. It's Amber Bradley, your host here with some extraordinary guests today. All right, Meredith Plaxo, Vice President of Loss Prevention and Safety for PetSmart. What is going on? My guest co-host today. Hello, so glad to be here. All right, so we are joined by Julie Giblin, Vice President of Loss Prevention for Ulta Beauty. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we are so glad to pull you into the Talk LP hot seat. Um, I'm super stoked to get both of you on, um, on the podcast because, Meredith, I know we had a phenomenal podcast. If you haven't heard Meredith's, jump on over there after this one because I know we have some phenomenal things in store for you today for our listening audience. Okay, so Julie, give us and the audience just a quick background on kind of who you are and what you do um, at Alta. Sure, so um, I haven't had the most traditional um, career path for loss prevention, but I've been in retail for over 30 years. My experience spans store operations, HR, and loss prevention. So I like to think that I have a unique perspective on the business. Started at May Department Stores, um, sales associate, department manager, and then an HR manager, and I was there for 14 years. Um, and really fortunate to grow uh, my career there. And then I made a change to multi-unit retail at Family Dollar Stores, where I held various positions in HR and then transitioned to loss prevention. Um, and when I prior to leaving Family Dollar, I was there for 11 years. Um, I was a group vice president in store operations, leading about 1,300 stores. And then five years ago, a little over five years ago, I joined Ulta Beauty. Uh, leading the loss prevention and safety teams. And it's you know, just been a once in a lifetime opportunity to really build um, a team from the ground up. Um, in my umbrella, I have you know, loss prevention for stores and um, supply chain, ORC, corporate security, business continuity, environmental health and safety, e-commerce, um, intelligence, and beyond growing a team, we've been building programs and tools and um, really taking us into, you know, what's next um, for the business. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of an overview of my background. Yeah, that's incredible. I think instead of umbrella, it's more like hot air balloon of all of the things that you have. And there's no wonder it took us a while to get you into the hot seat because that is incredible. Okay. All right. So I'm going to throw it over to my trusty co-host for our, our first question. Thank you. And, uh, and one of the reasons that I had uh, thought of Julie as a guest for uh, the Talk LP podcast was we have a kind of similar scope and, and also the kind of the, the unique path, if you will, um, to LP, which Julie just had a chance to, to kind of highlight, which I think is really interesting because um, I've met many folks who are either considering uh, loss prevention and safety or um, have an interest at least and just can't really see a, a way to get there or maybe feel like it's a little bit exclusionary. And I think that was a great example, thinking about all the areas of how you've added value in such different organizations and getting to LP and doing the same is, is really um, inspiring. So thank you. First of all, I'm glad to know you. And the question that I had for you was, if you were to try to kind of 
narrow it down, what's one of your many, obviously, one of your many work routines or habits that you do without fail that helps you be a successful leader? Yes, yeah, thank you for the, for the question. So um, I'd say is really setting aside time, um, consistent time every week, um, you know, whatever works for your schedule to set goals and plan the upcoming week, both professionally, but also personally. We know we're very, very busy. Um, so setting goals, also reflecting um, on the previous week and what went well, what didn't, did I achieve the goals that I set for the previous week? Where did I spend my time? Was I effective? And this really helps that goal setting process um, and planning and prioritizing for that, um, that week and um, beyond as well. So planning and prioritizing, I think is, is just critical. Yeah, those are great some... for balance too. Those were, those were great call outs just to kind of managing your energy and what's important. Thank you. Yeah, those are really good points too. I mean, I think that it's so easy to get pulled into answering the emails or all of these things. And, and you hear, and you know, you, you listen to podcasts and read up on, you know, productivity experts. They're always like, okay, pick those top three for your day. Like what are your must do top threes and then prioritize the rest. And that's uh, crucial, especially, you know, given the amount of things that you're, you're, you're juggling, um, so I'm curious, and you knew I had to do this because like full on, not in any of the questions that I gave you, but in your background, you're talking about HR um, experience and LP and, and me sitting on the periphery, right? Not as a practitioner. You hear sometimes it's like, oh, the HR people, they're not going to let me do this or do that. And, and I'm always curious, you know, especially someone that has sat on both sides, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you feel like some of the things that your HR experience has helped in loss prevention and potentially like vice versa? You know, maybe you're talking to the guy out there that's like, oh, HR, they never let me, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's um, there's sometimes inner conflict um, because but it's, it's just a really unique perspective because I can really put myself in the shoes of my business partners. Um, I've been there on, you know, the different sides of the table. Um, and it's really just sharing that um, everyone has the best of intentions and everyone has the you know, same goal um, for, you know, whether it's something with an investigation or something on the risk side or, um, you know, a hiring, you know, anything is that to really understand your business partners, you really have to understand their business. And by having you know, functional expertise in each one of those lines of business, um, it's really given me a different perspective and I'm able to share with my team, you know, maybe after a conversation that here's some of the why, um, and maybe here's some of my experience that you know, I can share a similar story to be able to relate it to. So, um, but I still have, you know, some inner conflict, uh, you know, about, I, I think this is going to happen. It's also helped me just in my team of, um, you know, talent, the whole talent cycle. So identifying really great talent and organizational design and, um, you know, um, career development. So, you know, that has definitely helped uh, in bringing that to the loss prevention um, world. Yeah, because I really heard, um, 
because I know several of your team members that they love you as the leader because you do have that kind of holistic view of this professional development that, you know, they feel like they could do anything really. I mean, and, and, you know, within the realm of you're guiding them to greater things, which I think is, you know, a testament to how you function as a leader and, you know, the opportunity you're giving to your team, which I think is, is really cool. And I was wondering when you said, you know, kind of the HR perspective, if that kind of contributed to that. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, it's, it's so important. It's like, it's a foundation that you, you know, in order to um, be successful in our roles as leaders, we have to have the right people. You also have to, in order to have the right programs and tools and execute and drive um, for success, you, it's, you have to have people and people in the right roles and um, people continue to be engaged um, in order to you know, make anything happen you know, within your vertical or within the organization as well. So it's just really critical. It's put the people and culture. Yeah, for sure. All right, over to you, Meredith. It's like, it couldn't have been a more perfect segue. So my question was going to be, I know you are super passionate about DE&I and belonging, um, particularly, I know Ulta is, but I know you are. Um, and I was curious how that shows up in the loss prevention and safety department at Ulta. Um, well, I am really proud of our LP mentorship program. Uh, we developed this internally, um, so it can really help introduce emerging talent to futures in loss prevention, future careers in loss prevention. Um, so, you know, mentees, which typically come from our stores, um, general manager, um, they can participate in the program. They're aligned with an area loss prevention manager who's their mentor. And for a period of 12 months, they're exposed to loss prevention training. Um, so traveling stores and audits and investigations, ORC, so that if they choose to um, continue their passion in loss prevention, that they're already set up for success. Because I can't tell you how many people ask me um, as I travel stores, I wanna get into loss prevention, how do I do that? So it's really opening the doors to um, folks that don't have that traditional loss prevention background. Um, and you know, we're, in going, we're in year three of our mentorship program where we promoted several stores leaders into, um, into ALPM ranks. And um, it's also a stretch assignment for that ALPM to be the mentor. Um, so on both sides, you know, you're really um, you're driving that career development. So it's great to get folks with different backgrounds um, into loss prevention. I love that. And that's a very organic uh, way of thinking about it as well, where um, often you can see people tend to miss the point when we're talking about diversity and that uh, they tend to use things that are very sort of physical or obvious. But the, the truth is exactly what you just said, which is the experiences and the backgrounds and what we actually need to have diversity of thought. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, that is uh, really interesting. You know, we've had several folks talking about diversity um, and inclusion on the podcast, and it's it's always staggering to me a new level of thought that kind of gets peeled back, right? When you're talking about this topic, because I think several years ago it's very superficial. It's like, oh, okay, check the box. Now, you know, evolving the conversation into actually, you know, diversity of thought is a business advantage. It can be if you're actually putting credence to it. And it sounds like you guys are for sure. 
One thing that struck me is um, mentor programs are so difficult to do, right? So many people say, gosh, we should get a mentor and let's do mentorship. And then you see it, you know, take off like a rocket ship. And then, you know, you ask a month later, hey, is your mentor? And they're like, I don't care from them. I don't even know. So it sounds like you've really figured that out. Um, a three going on three years. Like, do you have any keys to success? And you may not want to give away your secret sauce because you believe, I, I believe this kind of thing is competitive advantage. You know, when you're out there in the hiring pool and if you don't, that's cool. I'll, I'll move on. But I'm just saying congratulations because these are so hard to execute well. Um, it, keep it small. Um, don't try to do things too big. Um, so keep it small. And also, you know, the credit goes to, um, you know, our team that's, that's, again, internally managing the process. We actually have a former mentee who is now um, two, three years as an ALPM, who's actually spearheading the program because she has a passion because she saw what great, um, you know, it, it just propelled her into a different career. And so she has that passion to um, really pour into others. Um, so she is helping spearhead it. So it goes back to again your team and it's a stretch assignment for um, this individual as well. So uh, it just all goes, goes back to just, you know, again, back to talent yeah. and engaging talent and um, having our treat team run with it. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, let me let me get to the real question I was supposed to ask, and then I'll jump to Meredith. <laughs> Julie's like, you haven't asked me one thing you said. Okay, um, I so I'm always fascinated. I talked to Meredith about this before of of people in both of your positions, right? Because you know you there's so much to tackle as you move through a corporate ladder, right? I was like, I'm out. I can't do this. I have to start my own company. This is not going to work. So to me, it's always fascinating, um, especially, you know, like our listeners out there are saying, man, I just heard everything she's responsible for. And especially the women, you know, to be like, man, like that is a role that I would aspire to. Right. So thinking about your career and life lessons and leadership lessons that you live by, you know, I'm curious, you know, if there are certain things that stick out at you, whether it's, you know, kind of that executive lessons or it's you know, political things you've learned along the way. Um, give us a little insight into that. Um, just so um, leadership lessons. Yeah, leadership lessons as you've moved through your career, yeah. things that have kind of stayed true to you. Yeah, I think um, um, it's, I'd say, recognize um, individuals um, often for their contributions. And it's just not when someone goes above and beyond. It's where, you know, they complete a large project or just on annual performance reviews. It's really, you know, some thanks for the, those critical day-to-day -day activities goes a real long way. Um, I had a leader who always started every single team meeting with, um, you know, thanking folks and it became organic where people thank each other, their peers, um, their team, their leaders. And I really think that it's important. I start my team meetings that way. I was largely inspired by this individual and, um, you know, to really give that time to thanking people for their hard work. And I say, you know, it's communicate regularly and stay connected with your team. So 
and this was super critical during the pandemic. Um, you know, we were lucky to have this part of our culture anyway, you know, as part of, you know, I try to stay connected through chat sessions um, with my teams in the field, but, you know, we moved to a remote workplace and it's really, how do you communicate, communicate often. And, um, you know, I, we figured out, we relied so much on hallway conversations and these, you know, quick conversations and how we continue to keep that, you know, remotely. And we had a really shift to be deliberate about it. So I'd say that those couple of things, recognition and communication um, are just two key. Yeah, excellent. All right, over to you, Meredith. Well, uh, again, great segue. So when you think about the times that we've been leading through and uh, all of the communicating you're doing, all the developing you're doing, all the results that are being delivered, how does Julie Giblin recharge? What fills your batteries? So, um, yeah, I always love this question, but I love to cook. Um, I love to take cooking classes. I love to experience new foods in restaurants um, or new ways to prepare foods. So if I eat something at a restaurant, I'm like, how did they make that? Let's go figure it out. It's just something my husband and I do together. And to me, I know people tell me I'm crazy, but it's relaxing. Um, it's also, you can, you know, it's creative. It can be shared with others. So it's just not something that's recharging you. It's, you know, it's enjoyed as, um, you know, just in groups typically. And best of all, you get to enjoy that finished product. So um, as long as it came out good, you didn't burn it. But, you know, it is, I just, I love to cook. And that's you know, part of the things how I recharge is, um, you know, tell my team about you know the recipes or something that I did over the weekend and just cooking. So we love that. Very cool. Okay, and I have a, a brief follow-up question to that, sure. which I feel like I might know the answer now. So, what's your favorite way to waste time? If you get a oh. chance to waste time, as we say, what's your favorite way to waste time? Kill time. Um, it, it's it's probably on my phone, um, and. You know, phone and I'm an excellent online shopper. Very good. Very good. I wouldn't expect anything less. Groceries online, everything, you know, everything's a great online shopper. That's awesome. That's awesome. I turned to that definitely through the pandemic, right? I'm not a big app person, strangely. But with that, you're like, oh my gosh, like a whole new world because you're forced to do it. And you're like, oh my God, I could like grocery shop in five seconds and I pull right up and they put it in my car. Why wouldn't you do that? It's crazy. I'm a um, firm believer if you don't have at least like 10 abandoned shopping carts somewhere on the internet through all this, you're doing it wrong. And yeah. if you have bought something <laughs> after 3 a.m. that you forgot about and then just appeared again, you know, <laughs> you're not doing it right. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Sometimes I'll be like tired, you know, and then you, you wake up in the next morning, you're like, you get some receipt. You're like, oh, really? I bought like a quiz game for like, <laughs> and okay. <a> trampoline. Yeah. <laughs> but that's oh. a good one. That was smart. That's a smart purchase. <laughs> um, okay. So thinking about um, uh, advice that you would give, um, and I know we've got all uh, ages listeners mm. out there. So trying to think about, any advice that you would, you know, kind of rewind time and go back to like your 25 year old self. Um, I know we all feel 
25. I know I do. I'm like, gosh, I'm like doing the math. Am I that old? But, you know, kind of looking at that to say, if I could tell my 25 year old self something that would help me today, what would it be? So as I think through this question, so um, is, you know, you may not be selected um, for the job. You may not be selected for a promotion and that's okay. Um, sometimes it's even a good thing, um, you know, and it just, you know, it, it, it teaches you, um, you know, down the road. So I'll just give an example. So, you know, a few years ago, I interviewed for a leadership role. I thought I had the expertise, the functional expertise, the skills, the internal connections, um, my understanding of the business, but the person who got the job, um, they were amazing. And I learned so much from that person, um, had I been offered that role, I would have never gone into loss prevention. I would never be here leading the team at Ulta Beauty. So um, I think that, the, you know, there's always times that um, we're disappointed, um, but again, be open to various opportunities and then the right one is going to come along. That's going to continue your career path. So, um, you know, I've spoken with many, you know, team members that, Maybe this has happened to them. So I share my personal story and I encourage them to get feedback and map out a plan and still drive towards their career goals um, and keeping open to those opportunities. But um, sometimes they'll actually find something that's better than that role that they applied for. Yeah, I think when you're young too, I mean, everything seems so, this is it. It's this one thing. Like if I, if I just get this one thing, everything's gonna be fine, right? As you're going along, it's like just devastating. I remember that, you know, when you're, you think, but how could that possibly be? And then right around the corner, like you're saying, is, is something that fits you better in the long term, which is so hard to see, like in the moment. You wish you could just suck that out of your head and like put it in your kid's head when they're disappointed. Be like, this is okay. But um, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip it back to Meredith, see what, what you have on deck. I think the only other question that I would have for you is just as you have sort of navigated through the last year, I feel like, you know, the probably the topic that has brought more of us together than ever, unfortunately, has been the pandemic. Um, and, you know, as you think about where we are in this phase, going back to sort of communication, um, is there something kind of as a best practice for you that has helped your team stay really nimble in those that they're supporting and making sure all the right you know, communications gets to the functional leaders that need it to make sure there's consistent execution. Is there sort of a secret sauce that you found to kind of doing that by now? I'm not sure if it's really a secret sauce, but it goes back to what I said at the beginning is setting goals um, and reflecting on the, you know, the, the previous week and what's going well and what's not. And also setting up those, some of those routines of, um, you know, regardless of whatever was going on, we always had our team meeting so that we could disseminate information and um, stay, you know, staying really tight um, during these times. So it was that plus, you know, with the pandemic setting up time, um, you know, it was whether we had anything to talk about that morning or we didn't, we did or we did not, is having that time at the beginning of every day to check in. Um, with our you know, cross-functional group that was supporting you know, these efforts. So you know, it goes back to, I, back to really great planning 
really great um, consistent communication so your teams know what those expectations and um, you know, delivering them and then what they're supposed to then take and deliver to their business partners and cross-functional business partners um, and you know, just setting up those opportunities for communication um, you know through you know a big event you know like the pandemic so um, hopefully that answers um, your question. Yes, and and honestly, um, personally, wanted to thank you for all the amazing insights through the the RELA Asset Protection Leaders Council that you've shared with so many of us. It, it's very clear, you know, that that you have uh, not only an incredible knack for communication, of course, but from a leadership standpoint, that uh, your team is is highly respected and clear that you have incredible alignment uh, with the leaders across your business. So. Uh, just really, really grateful for those insights, but also, you know, well done. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And just, it was, um, you know, groups like that, um, the APLC, um, I think was so critical for all of us, um, you know, through the uh, pandemic that we can really rely on each other and understand, um, you know, what each other is doing um, to support just the greater cause. So. Absolutely. Okay. You've entered into the lightning round of talk okay. LP. <laughs> okay. So there's a couple things. I don't know. I, I supposed to be like a phrase or so, but you can expand. So we're going to do best career advice you've ever received. Um, it's taking a literal seat at the table. Um, so as I was growing in my leadership, not to sit in the back of the room to support not sit on the sideline, but really get comfortable table, that physical table um, in group meetings. And you know, someone said to me, it'll increase your odds that you'll be sitting, you know, at the head of the table someday. So um, it was just getting comfortable with that. But you, you know, you have the seat of the table and sit there. Ooh, I like that. I like that seat of the table. Okay. So now is worst career advice you've ever received, if any, I don't know. It doesn't seem like you've made many wrong turns there, Julie, but worst if you have some. I think it really wasn't like the worst advice, but you know, as you reflect on you know, good advice that you've received and then maybe not so good is you know, just early in my career that you had to be like someone else to be successful. Um, and you really just couldn't be your authentic self. So, um, you know, whether you had to perform like them, take the same approaches that you're, that person. Um, so that was probably some of the, I'd say the, uh, I would say the worst career advice, but one that as I reflect on it now um, and where I am, you know, we don't want people to be their authentic self. So I'd say that was probably not so great advice. Not helpful. No. Uh, for sure. <laughs> okay, so All good intention with the yes. person, of course. <laughs> but if you're out there, you are wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, so Meredith, I'm gonna ask you this one too. So I'm gonna ask Julie first so you can think of your answer because I didn't even tell you I was gonna ask you this too, but I find this fascinating. So if you weren't an LP executive, Julie, what career, and I'm thinking it may be like top top chef or something, but what career do you think you missed out on? If any, well, I think if I wasn't an LP, um, it's probably pretty obvious. I'd probably, um, you know, in an HR or an operations role. 
but if I wasn't in retail, um, I would probably be a teacher. Really? So, um, I was a history uh, major in college and just you know, loved European history. I love to travel um, and read historical fiction. But if I think that I would probably teach. That's cool. Okay, follow up though. Uh, what's your favorite country that you've been to? France. What part? Oh, okay. Um, I think France right away, but there's so many great ones, but yeah. I do love, I, I do, um, have some, you know, just, I have some family there, so it's great to see family. Yeah. Okay. All right, Meredith, you've had your time on the, I don't know. I mean, you've had 30 seconds maybe, <laughs> but okay. If you weren't an LP executive, what career would you be in? Oh, you're asking a Libra. I'm going to give you two. Ah, I'm a Libra. <laughs> That's awesome. Libras unite. Go ahead. Um, so, okay. Uh, first would be politics. I was a, originally a, a poli-sci communications major. Cool. Um, so I, I continue to be fascinated and, and probably a little too addi addicted to my phone, to Julie's point uh, regarding all things that. But also I think, um, it, you know, and part of the reason, you know, you see the cats in the background and if you could see the other part of my desk, you'd see a big fish tank on it. Um, I am a, a super big fish nerd I would be designing ponds for people oh, that's awesome Juicy <laughs> yeah. wow. Julie didn't even know that part about you yeah. <laughs> okay so we're wrapping it up um okay I, so I am making it my mission to help educate all of the I don't know uh I don't want to say bad salespeople out there because everybody's trying their best but I do want to educate them just a little bit because there are some bad sales books out there that are telling them the wrong stuff, in my opinion, my humble opinion. So we'll talk about any advice for solution. This will be the last question. Any advice for solution providers, Julie, that you would give that are trying to sell you things? Because I know a lot of them out there go, well, if I can't talk to Julie, I'm not talking to anybody because she's the one that's writing the check. And you want to say, well... You have a team of people. I mean, does that fly with you? Tell us about that. Well, I think it's a super question. And, you know, um, I think every day we field cold calls. So emails, phone calls, LinkedIn is a great vehicle to connect with people. But my advice is, you know, just generic emails that uh, or that feel generic just don't work really do your research um, to understand how your solution would work for our needs or our company. Um, partner with you know, research groups um, to do studies, participate in various conferences, um, and how is your solution going to be unique and going to help? You know, we're not interested or we're not ready at this time, disrespect that. Um, you know, we do have planned priorities. I know most of us are probably into 2022 planning and into 2023. So, you know, we have planned priorities that we're working on. And of course, we want to do everything. Uh, we love the new shiny uh, objects and tools that come out. But sometimes we really just need to leave the door open, um, you know, and when the time is right, we may just walk through that door and reach out. So that would be my advice um, to you know our solution providers. Yeah, those are good ones. Um, 
for sure. Because, you know, it's not like you get amnesia, right? Of who does what the next week or the next trade show. But hey, you know, it, it's it's a crazy world out there. I really appreciate you both. Meredith, I will pitch it to you to see if you have any last wrap-up questions before we send it on home. Uh, no, just more, you know, kind of, again, like I was saying earlier, like, you know, incredible, incredibly grateful to know you and appreciate you sharing some incredible insights and uh, little known fact, uh, Julie and I both also hail from New England, um, Massachusetts proper. Uh, and, and we were able to kind of bond over that too. But um, I really appreciate the community that we have within uh, loss prevention and, and particularly the partnership with Julie. So thank you for doing it. Absolutely. Thank you. And just honored to be asked. Um, and it's it great to share, um, you know, out there to our LP partners or folks that do have um, an interest in, you know, coming into the LP industry. We hope it was helpful um, you know, to all the listeners. For sure. Well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been a great time. And thank you so much for listening. You can always follow us at Let's Talk LP. Don't forget. If you download the Talk LP News app, breaking loss prevention headlines in the palm of your hand. That's it. Thank you so much, ladies.